Blog Talk Radio. Yay! It is another day here in the world, planet Earth. <laughs> I love each new day. I love the season that we're in. I don't care where you are, spring is magnificent. And if you're getting tired of me talking about spring each week when we open up since March, you only have to tolerate it till the beginning of summer. Think about what spring is for us because, my friends, I think that spring is really analogous to what we do on this show. It's about vibrance and it's about evolution. It's about growth. It's about abundance. It's about getting happy and feeling life as it's happening all over again. Every time I walk out into my gardens, I see the flowers are a little bit more open, the color is a little bit more vibrant, the bunnies are a little bit bigger, and it's just so freaking pretty. It's amazing, and it makes me feel pretty. It makes me feel alive and beautiful and happy, and then I get to come here and log into the studio on the K Factor, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it here on Blog Talk Radio, where Partners in Excellence is the sponsor. And at Partners in Excellence, the idea is to snuggle up to people who are needing some sort of help and guidance and do the reach. The reach is excellence always reaching for the better version of ourselves, which is what Build the Strength Within is all about, which is available to you on Amazon.com and also on our website over at drdebcarlin.com. This is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin. And today's guest is a woman who I have met through a fabulous group that you've heard me talk about before. And if you're a newcomer to the show here, I'm going to introduce you to Steve Harrison and Bill Harrison of BradleyCommunications.com. They do an absolutely rock-solid job of teaching people how to become successful authors, how to get the publicity that they need, and how to pull it all together and create the relationships to make it happen. So when you go to one of their events, you can either just go to one of their events and do one of their online programs and leave it at that, or you can go over the top to the moon and get involved with them in incredible mastermind groups, and I mean truly masterminding. You get together with people who, like Napoleon Hill said when he coined the term and the concept of masterminding, you get to you get to get together with people who are very different from you, from all over the planet, and come together and share your ideas and inspire one another and motivate one another and just make it more magnificent than it could ever be. I have done that, and let me tell you, the rewards are, well, part of what you're realizing when you tune into the show. I have had scores of people from the program, which is called Quantum Leap, on this show because the relationships that I have developed are so inspiring to me. And today's guest is a lady who 
was at one of the Quantum Leap meetings, and you know, you know how it is when when you see somebody and you think to yourself. Now, that is a really good-looking person. I like their whole affect. I like the energy that they seem to have. I like the way that they're put together. They look so so confident and so poised and so intelligent right there in their own shoes, in their own skin. I would really like to approach that person and see if my perceptions are correct. And so I did. And we had a lovely conversation. And you're going to absolutely adore this person today because she's our guest. This is Dr. Nikki Barr. Good morning, Nikki. How are you? Good morning, Deb. Wonderful. I'm happy to be here with you and your audience. Absolutely delighted that you're here. So tell our audience who you are, what the doctor part of you is, and what it is that you do, because I think you tell the story great. Oh, thanks, Deb. Well, I'm Dr. Nikki Barr, and I wrote a book that recently came out. It's on Amazon. It's called Getting Off the Emotional Roller Coaster of Cancer. And what I do is I help people impacted by cancer to get to well-being, to get through the overwhelm, the confusion, the anger, the frustration, whatever it is that they're going through, the psychological part of cancer. That's huge because it's not just about your body. Your mind is so attached to it, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we can't ever get out of or really even crave to get out of our head because that's where we live and it influences everything. That's exactly right. It's all about that. And when someone is experiencing an illness or a challenge, the emotions tend to rock on, and it's about learning how to manage them. You can't turn them off. You can't, you know, take them out through surgery or something like that. You just have to learn how to manage it, and sometimes that's really, really, really challenging in the middle of a crisis. I love that you just said what you said. I had never thought about that. Wouldn't it be funny if people said, well, Dr. Jones, you're a surgeon. Can you just remove the anger? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've had people ask me just that, you know, is it, how do we get rid of this? Let's get rid of it. No, can't get rid of it. It's part of being human. It's more about how do we work with it? How do we, you know, develop skills to to manage? Really, manage is such a great word. Yeah. I mean, people think in our culture today, that they ought to go for plastic surgery. Just get a facelift so that you don't have that crabby expression anymore. I wish everybody would just turn that, I, this sounds like I'm a kindergarten teacher, turn that frown upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's our character. It's who we are. Yeah, because we get we get so gorgeous. When we've got the right attitude, it comes across the face and permeates the body, and you end up looking spectacular, which, by the way, as I said in the intro, you do. And it's it's the charm of your personality, your entire character and being. So tell us, what what, what is the doctor for? What, what kind of uh, background do you have? So I'm a Ph.D. in psychotherapy. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, and I have worked with people for years and years in a private practice, Deb, and then 
you know, kind of what led me into this whole work is that I realized in this general private practice that I was getting people impacted by cancer, whether they were survivors, whether they were just diagnosed, family members, et cetera, and no one was really giving them any psychological support, no support, no listening, no concern. It was more about medical, let's take care of it, let's take it out, let's treat it, let's radiate it, let's do whatever we need to do, which is certainly important. You know, I would never say that the medical piece isn't important. I do think the psychological piece is very important as well. Yeah. I don't believe that there in, – in my practice as a psychologist, I I have been delighted with the reception that I have gotten um, from physicians and, and healthcare practitioners and hospitals when I come in and talk about exactly what you're talking about because they know – Increasingly, particularly with more and more people going on the internet and walking into healthcare with all kinds of questions and even demands and ideas about how they'd like to influence their treatment, they're realizing that if they don't get help from people like us, from the for the patients, they are going to have such an exhausting experience with the patient because they don't know what to do when that patient gets scared, anxious, nervous, defiant, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you know, they don't they also don't have time. They're they're caught up in how do I treat this person medically? But when someone's fallen apart in their office and and rightful understandably so, rightfully so, it it's very difficult. It's very confusing I think for them because they don't they don't have the time really to sit down and, and work with them, but they also as you pointed out don't have those skills to do that. That's not what they studied in school. That's not what they're best at. So it's essential to include people like us in whatever crises, illnesses, or big challenges that people go through to to work through that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I bet we've got a lot of listeners who are asking themselves, wow, what could this woman do for me? I'm suffering with either my own cancer or cancer that a loved one of mine has, what in the world could this woman do for me? Because I'm so intrigued. I want to know more. So what can you do for people? What is it that you do when somebody ends up in your realm? What happens there? Well, Deb, so what what I've been doing is I do see patients in my um, community in Fort Worth, Texas, and I work with them in the treatment center, in the cancer treatment center. I'm now realizing that I want to reach more people, so I'm doing a lot more speaking and, and helping people learn skills to manage overwhelm and anxiety, stress, all of those things. I'm also, I've written a book called Getting Off, the emotional roller coaster of cancer and it's available on Amazon. I've been really putting quite a lot of energy into Facebook these days after I learned from Quantum Leap as you suggested how what a powerful group that is with Stephen Bill Harrison. I've learned that Facebook and social media is very important to get our messages out to help as many people as we can and to connect with as many people as we can. And so I'm putting a lot more energy into Facebook and offering tips for how do you get through different uh, emotions or how do you 
how do you deal with the, the things that come up with cancer, with well-being? Well-being is hugely important within cancer, within anything. So I'm focusing more and more on well-being these days. Also, I am about to offer a program for cancer survivors. Once you've finished with cancer, once you've finished with treatment, it's very difficult sometimes to know how to get back into life. How do I merge back in? How do I get my life back? And so I'm about to, to offer those. I'm not marketing those quite yet. They will happen in the at the end of summer and then go from there. And the reason why I'm not quite marketing them yet on my website, drnickybar.com, is because we're redoing the website. So the best place to reach me right now is probably on Facebook or Twitter at Nikki Bar PhD. Um, and, and I'm happy to also on my blog, drnickybar.com, answer questions. So that's a way that I could help your listeners. Just answer questions that come up that they want to know about different emotions or different challenges they may be having from a psychological well-being perspective. Fabulous. So, Nikki, spell out for our people exactly how they should find you because the spelling of your name, Nikki, is always a little bit different depending on who's doing it. Thank you so much for pointing that out, Deb. I that's something you're exactly right. I don't spell it quite like everybody. It's Nikki. It's Doctor D R Nikki N I K I. I have a K instead of um, a C. N I K I Bar B A R R dot com. Or on Facebook, it's Doctor Nikki Bar N I K I B A R R. Great. Same thing with Twitter. <laughs> Okay, great. So we will, through our website and through our social media, be sure to post that as well so that people have a really easy time to find you. Because one of the things that we we do consistently on, on the K factor here, which is all about kindness and all the factors that lead to it, is highlight the people who in my estimation, are exceptional in their kindness. Their work is really dedicated to it. And and I love what you do because you do it with such grace, but you also do it with such insight. You've got such a wonderful, compassionate way of recognizing that people are out there in the world and they are really suffering. I mean, they are... Cancer, we're trying to make it a less scary word and a less scary experience but when people hear that word when they think in their own head "Uh uh-oh what if i have it when they panic about oh my goodness for someone else everybody freaks out because they know the ravages of the treatment of the disease and you you are saying hang on a second here you don't need to be completely terrified either during it or afterwards. So come to me here and we can do something about this. And that that's so critical. So give our people a flavor of what it is that is um, your book content. What are they going to get out of that, Nikki, that's going to be helpful to them during and after, whether it's them or someone who they love, because I think I, you know, I've read your book. I think that you can go through it as a patient or as a beloved. 
That's exactly right, Deb. It's it's created in that way. It's also created if you're going through diagnosis, you can turn to that part. If you're going through you've you're finished with medical treatment, you can go through that part. You if you're going through recurrence of cancer, you can go through that part. So the the book is written very simply because I didn't want to waste a lot of time and effort in putting into statistics and research and all that stuff. I think when people are dealing with cancer, whether as a family member, caregiver, or the one going through with cancer, it's there's no time, there's no energy, there's no desire to wade through all that stuff. It's more about tell me how to deal with this. I need to know what to do. I'm having all these panic attacks. I was working with a woman yesterday, for example, who had gone to the emergency room three times in the last month with panic attacks. And so being able to, let's take this and let's look at how we can work with this. And that's all in the book is how do, how do you deal with panic? How do you deal with anger? If you're so frustrated and you just can't stand it. I had a man who really clammed up. Once he got cancer, he, he clammed up. And then what happened is he got very angry with the people around him, very impatient. And so when I got to work with him, we, we, we just went through it. And we worked on his own feelings of anger with himself for getting cancer. He was holding himself responsible in, in ways that weren't real helpful for him. And so we worked through how to deal with that anger with himself, with others, how to deal with the impatience. And and we brought in, we had some family counseling as well, and, and it was really, really good. I do this as well, Debbie, on um, in a coaching situation. I wanted to open my practice more to coaching and to be able to reach more people and so seeing more and more, and we'll see that reflected on the website as it gets completed, that I can help others when they want to just ask a question um, on the website or if they want to work with me in coaching, then that's also available. And the book is very helpful for just explaining so many ways to get through tools. If you just want to you know, jump in that book and look at it or if you want to talk to me live, that's also available. Okay. And do you want do you want people to wait until after your website is up and running or do you want to share any of your location um information here? Sure. Do, uh, drnickybar.com. If you if you just go to that and you keep uh, you stay with that. That's really going to be the best place to find me. Okay. And and that will be up within the next few days. Next few days. We're almost there. <laughs> <laughs> under reconstruction yeah we're leaving ours up while we're doing a complete revamp and it's kind of frustrating it's like hurry up hurry up hurry up hurry up you know it's like being on a horse and you want to go giddy up all the time get going there we got to make it happen faster but you, you really got want it to... i understand that so do people come to you and say um Oh, I just am so tired. I can't even pay attention to what you're saying. I don't know what to do. I'm tired. I'm scared. I don't feel good. Absolutely. And, if they, and what do you do with them when they're in that state? 
So so that would be that would look a little I think we'd both agree depression. That looks like some sadness, it looks like some low affect. There's not a lot of energy. So you're looking at kind of a disconnect from life. So the first thing to do is to get them connected back up to life and and get that energy flowing and talk about, you know, what just kind of listen see what see what they have to say and and just see what you can do to stoke that get get that connection back up what's going on are you are you getting out of bed or are you staying in bed all the time you know are you do you have some family around you do you have some friends do you you know what's what's your life look like right now and then start getting some action going, hopefully some walking or some sitting out in nature or some something. What do they love to do? What what's missing? Because sometimes cancer is a is a real catalyst for dropping out of life, for just pulling so far back and you you're so caught up in all the treatments and the scans and the the going to the lab and going to the doctor that you know self nurturing gets left out self kindness gets left out you talk a lot of i love your kindness project it's the best and it's so oh. needed it's so needed also i think even you know even when you're going through a crisis kindness being kind to yourself and being kind to your medical team and your medical team being kind back to you that's hugely important you know we it's really funny because um from the very outset of this show back in 2010 people have loved the concept of the show but every now and again i get somebody who is very skeptical very guarded and likes to make fun of the idea of mm. oh kindness jeez how fluffy oh my goodness and i and i I feel sad. I feel sad sure. for that person because what they're demonstrating to me in that moment is they don't they don't have enough of it in their world. Exactly. They haven't had enough of it extended to them in a way that they've been able to really embrace that there's been something wrong. And sometimes people don't trust. And I think this is so important in the work that you do. They don't trust that it can be all good. That yes. when someone's being loving, it is it can be really healthy. It doesn't have to be about anything other than pure human to human, deep to deep. I care about how you are. And especially if you're suffering, I want to help you heal. People... Exactly. You know, aren't we a million miles away from that sometimes, Nikki? Very much so. We're in such a huge rush. I see it with the patients, you know, that I see or the the clients or the family members that I see that come in um, or that I talk to. We're just in such a huge rush to get it done, get it done, get it done, get whatever it is. And, And that kindness gets left out sometimes. And what a what a mistake that is because the kindness is what connects us. It's the glue. It's essential, essential for all of us. And that's part of well-being and that's part of healing and that's part of the whole thing. It's the very core of of all that we are as human beings. 
So how did these, how did you get into, I mean, I know you said that these people started coming to you, but how is it that the universe decided, God decided, people decided that you were the hostess to receive the cancer patients? What's that about? Do you know? Why is that your calling? I I really don't know. I really don't know how that all happened. I have not ever had cancer. I've had people in my family who have had cancer. People have died and some have lived. And I, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. But I'm grateful that what my work does matter and it's making a big difference. And I seem to be able to zero in right away and help people impacted by cancer to move forward and it's also i i don't think it's just the cancer it's just whatever challenges we're facing is being able to quickly go in there and see how do we make it you know how do we change this for you i need your help to help me do it what what do we need to do together? And I think a key factor, Deb, is is the listening. People aren't listened to in our society. We just there's no time for it. And so to come in and sit with me or to talk with me on the phone or Skype, it's just really reassuring. I think I know I like to be listened to. It's very reassuring when someone takes the time. Exactly what you were saying in in the, uh, just a few minutes ago to really care what you're going through and really feel and many times that's half the answer right there is being cared about being listened to and from there we can to get work together to come up with what needs to happen and that just increases your well being and when you feel better you do better. You're going to heal better. You're going to get through whatever it is better. Do you you find that you have any particular dietary things that you recommend for people to do? You know, my best dietary thing is is to refer to a nutritionist or a dietitian because I believe that they've studied that and they know... You know, I certainly am careful with what I eat and all of that, but I don't know. I'm not sure that 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 I I know I have enough knowledge. I know what works best with my body, and I know what doesn't work. But I I've not quite felt like I knew enough on that to advise. Okay, I understand that. So, is there? Is there a team that you work with, or or how does it how does that happen for people? Like well, if, if you so, are, are you working ahead, in ahead. the middle of a system, or are you solo? You had talked about being in a practice. Are there are there people in there that you can refer people to, or do you feel, do you feel like you even really need to? You know, when I'm working in a medical practice, yes, there is a team. There's a dietitian. There's a um, an acupuncturist. There's a massage person. There's the doctors. There's all of the. You know, we have a, quite a great team. When I'm working solo, it's all about the well-being factor. It's all about getting 
being able to manage the emotions or whatever one is facing and going through within cancer. So so it's really about the psychological piece, and that's what I focus on. Yeah. So are there are there any particular exercises, things that you do with your patients? I mean, you were talking about finding out, you know, is there anything missing from your life? Do you need to get out and take a walk? Are you getting up out of bed? But are there any particular exercises? And I'm asking you this question. Remember back, um, uh, well, I don't know, did um, when we saw each other uh, in Philadelphia uh, about a month ago, and and Steve was Steve Harrison was asking me to give an example of something that people could do, and I gave them the mirror exercise, right? Yes. Is there is there an exercise that you give people? Because I I, I think it was really helpful when he asked me that question because. When we start talking about the work that we do, we get so passionate we're talking about it, but our listeners are saying, okay, that's great. I wish I was in your office with you right now. And if I was, what exercise would you have me do or what what nugget of advice would you give me so that I would start to feel better? How can I get the experience of you right now? So what would that be? Is there anything that you can share? Absolutely, Deb. So... One thing that I hear a lot from people is the anxiety, is just being so afraid. And and also when they're trying to sleep, sometimes sleep doesn't come easy. And so this is a good little exercise to use that will focus your mind and help you relax because we know, all of us I think know, that you cannot be anxious and relaxed at the same time. It's physically impossible. Our our physical selves just aren't made to be anxious and relaxed at the same time. So what this exercise does is it helps you to focus and to, to relax because when you're so focused, you can't be anxious. So here's here's what it is, Deb. So you take the idea is to take long, slow, deep breaths. And we know that when we do that, that in and of itself is relaxing, right? So this, what this exercise does is it hits you from two different directions in a good way, a good love pat. And that is you take a long, slow inhale, and at the top of the inhale, when you get to the top of your inhale, you say the letter R. And then you take a long, slow exhale, and at the bottom of your exhale, you say the letter E. Then you take a long, slow inhale. Top of that inhale, it's L. Long, slow exhale. Bottom of that is A. Long, slow inhale is X. So you've spelled relax. The The key to this is, as I've said already, the long, slow breaths. But you must focus. Now, let's see. Now, am I at the E or am I at the L? Am I now now was I supposed to um am I am I inhaling or exhaling? You really have to pay attention. And because that's got your focus so good, you must focus, then you can't possibly be scared to death about this or or um depressed about that or 
you know, feeling overwhelmed or confused or any of that because you got to pay attention. And it also just, it's very, very calming. It's a very calming exercise. It's something you can do anywhere, but not when you're driving ever, ever, ever. Um, but when you're when you're in a waiting room, you can practice that because people get pretty antsy in waiting rooms. Or when you're laying down at night and you can't sleep, just do that exercise. And of course, it doesn't have to be the word relax. You could spell out calm. You could spell out anything you wanted to. And the point is, is just taking those long, slow, deep breaths and keeping a cadence. And when you finish with the X, you just start over. You just start over with the R, and you just keep keep on going. Well, I'll tell you what. I just did it while you were spelling it out. And yes. my, voice, my voice has dropped at least two octaves. <laughs> I think so. It works, doesn't it? It is magnificent. I've been doing relaxation exercises and meditations for decades. I've never done this one, never heard of this one, and it is magical thank you for that that's very good yeah that's really powerful i do like the idea of spelling out the word relax it's just long enough that people will have those five breaths and so they're not going to they're hyperventilating like they're going to spell out mississippi (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) halidoshas yo they'll be laying on the floor so right. that that is really beautiful. That is really beautiful. And you know, <clears throat> I would bet just into intuitively that you have had beloveds do that as much as you've had patients do that. Exactly. Exactly. Because yeah. they can get so revved up. Yes. Yes, yes. It it's really that's it's kind of a universal exercise that no matter who's who, who what role you're playing in this whole thing, what role you're you're take you've taken on whether you're a family member or medical team or or a cancer patient or survivor or whatever whatever whatever. Kids Everybody can do this exercise, and everybody can have an experience with it that is calming. Mm. What's the most difficult case you've ever run into since you've been doing this work? Well, I think my most difficult case was a a man that was at the top of the top of special ops in the military. He was quite... When he described all he had done, I I was just taken aback. I I was amazed at all of the the things that he had learned in the military, and he was he's quite trained, quite trained in all of that. But he got a cancer that took him way down, and he when I got to talk with him, he was very suicidal, and I had asked his family members to lock up guns, and he he agreed because it was very scary for him. And he told me when he came into the office, he he did willingly come and felt like this was a last-ditch kind of effort for himself, that he was going to, you know, that he, nothing that he had faced in the military not, none of the war that he wore kinds of things that he had gone through 
could even begin to um, measure up to the cancer that he had, and that he really didn't want to live anymore. And and I was stunned from what he had explained to me, all the things that he had done. I, I was quite surprised that this was that big for him, but for him it was. And so little by little we began to move forward and work on specific things. The, the, the fear, the fear was just tremendous in a man that showed no fear. It was totally opposite of anything he had ever known. And by the end of, of our sessions, he was doing super well. He missed, through, he got through all of the uh, medical treatments, and he had gone back to life and doing well. He had his guns back out and was shooting for, you know, for sport, and um, life was good again. But here's a man that was so trained to be top of the top, Things that we we most of us will never do in our lives or will never know in our lives, and yet this this disease really took him down. But in the end, he was like a phoenix. He rose up. He got through those ashes and moved on to a happy life. Wow, that's powerful. Now yeah. I'm looking at your book on Amazon, and I love it that Amazon gives us this terrific opportunity to do a little peek inside Mm -hmm. and you've got um six sections in here that i'd like to uh just lay out here for our listening audience if that's okay for you absolutely give them a flavor so friends this book is a really nice length it's got a, a beautiful cover by the way nikki and the opening is, um, it, I really like the forward and the introduction of it. It just pulls you in, and it sets the stage for real. And then the sections are this. Section one is cancer diagnosis. Two is medical treatment. Three is surviving. Four is metastasis, recurrence, and late effects. Five is grief, death, and loss. Six is emotional wellness and empowered living, but it doesn't stop there. There's three more parts to the book that are important. The conclusion, the resources, and then about the author. The thing I love about this is that even though there's there's the tough part in terms of grief, death, and loss, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're dying. It doesn't mean that you have died. It means that... All of us are going to go at some point, but this is an episode, this is a section, this is a mindset that all of us need to move into and live into, and it's followed by emotional wellness and empowered living. So people don't think that Section 5 is the drop-off point. You fall off the cliff, you're dead, you're gone, or your beloved is. There's, There's so much more to the story. There's so much more hope and wellness to everybody's story. That's what I get out of it. And you're exactly right. That's I I truly believe that in in my heart of hearts that that's that's how it works that there is always it's about the hope, it's about moving forward, helping yourself. Simple little things you can ask yourself. Is this action moving me forward or is it moving me backward? Is it is it helping me or is it hurting me? It's the kindness, it's the self-kindness in helping yourself move through it 
that's really, really essential, believing in that well-being and and taking good care of self all through it. Yeah. You know, I'm wondering, do you think that your work is applicable to people beyond cancer, Nikki? I truly do, Deb. I hear that all the time. It's really interesting that... um, that you pick up on that because many people seem to say, you know, I was reading this because my aunt had breast cancer, has breast cancer, and I realized, my gosh, I could use these things for my life right now that has nothing to do with cancer. And and that's a that's a constant kind of thing because right, we're all faced with well being. We we well being is a full time job. It's something that we need to pay attention to all the time, regardless. And these tools that I've provided in the book address exactly that. So it doesn't, cancer just happens to be what what I specialized in and what I work with, but I do give many talks based on well-being and write a lot about well-being for everyone. Yeah. I, I was... Um... I was baiting you a little bit with that question because I believe the same. I think that your your approach, your voice, your thoughts are applica- applicable far beyond um, just the cancer, just the the one diagnosis. So I I just love it that you're in complete agreement about that. So. <clears throat> When we when we last saw each other, one of the things that you were talking about was wanting to to expand and make real a vision that you have about offering people retreat opportunities. Even though you're not doing that right now, do you want to throw that idea out so that it's out here in the ethers and people can start noodling it around for when you do start to offer that? Deb, thanks so much. I'd love to talk about that and and maybe just sort of brainstorm as we go. So my idea just kind of came out of nowhere, um, as as good ideas often do. And that idea is to work with people who have completed medical treatment because what I've seen in my work is before cancer, where everybody is just doing their thing, they're going to work, they're going to school, they're picking up kids, they're cooking dinner, they're doing whatever, mowing the lawn, whatever you do, doing their life. When you get cancer, a cancer diagnosis, it's suddenly your life becomes much more about cancer. It's about going to the scans. It's about going to chemo or to radiation, or maybe you're going through surgery or maybe this, that. And you, you you begin to get to know people in the cancer world. You know that the lab tech's son plays baseball and you know that your nurse practitioner is getting a divorce and you know different things about people. You just start picking things up. You know where their kids go to school, that kind of thing. Then the day may come that... Not for everybody, but many people, many people it comes that the doctor says, you know what, Mrs. Brown, you're done. You, you're The cancer is done and you're finished and we've done everything we can do. Your scans look great. You're over. You're finished with treatment. So that person, Julie Brown, 
often feels like they've been dropped off at the curb or John Samuelson or whoever it is. It doesn't matter. They feel like, well, wait a minute. My whole life has been about this whole treatment thing, and now see you later. You're fine. You're done. And what happens is that family and friends begin to think, well, the doctor said you're fine. What's the problem? You, You need to get back into life and get back to work or get back to taking care of the kids or whatever it is, go back to school, whatever it is you do. And coworkers look at you kind of funny, like, well, why why is it taking you longer maybe to do this task? Or why aren't you going to lunch with us? Or um, what what's going on? And, and it, there's a different set mindset that happens, Deb, when cancer is done. Because you've had to go from your regular life to another life focused around cancer and now all of a sudden you're spit back into life again and you're not quite sure often people have trouble with well how do i relaunch how do i remerge with life how do i get my life back and so what i'm what i'm got going on that will be offered very soon uh, is to work with people and help them get their lives back Help them from a, a psychological, spiritual, emotional kind of way, doing a lot of process kinds of exercises in a beautiful place with good food and time in nature to discover and to reestablish what it is that they want now and and how will they get back into their lives. How will they make sense of all of this, A? And then B, how do they get into making their life the way they want it? Because once cancer has happened, it's, it's changed tremendously and it's a forever change. So how do I incorporate that now? Now treatment's done treatment's over, how do I get back into creating a life that I really want at this point? Yeah. And, you know, here's one of the things that, I mean, you've heard me say this um, publicly uh, during the time that we were in Philadelphia and I was on the stage. No matter what it is that's going on in somebody's life, I gave the example of the gal that I had focused on who had been in the hospital with pneumonia, and she was lamenting it. And I said, I am so happy for you. Exactly. I love it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yes. So what did she just say? Are you, what? She couldn't have possibly have said something like that. No, absolutely, because guess what? When you what you just said, Nikki, is kind of the punchline about illness. When you have this cancer and it's morose and it's scary and it's creepy and it's freaky and you're panicking and you don't know what to do and you can't sleep and you can't eat and you feel sick to your guts and you're mad and you're angry and you're scared. Yeah, thank you. This is a perfect opportunity for you now to pay attention. Do we have your attention now? I can almost hear the heavens asking the question. Do we have your attention now? Are you willing to take the time to love the self and allow you, yourself, to ask the question, what do I want from this life? Instead of 
got to go, got to go, got to get here, got to go there, don't have time, don't have this, don't have that. Oh, my goodness gracious. What are you doing? You were not born to go to meetings all day. There's no kindergartner who you ask them what do they want to do for the rest of their life, and they say, I can't wait to get on the the racetrack of life and never have moments to play. It's nuts. Yes. Very well said, Deb. Very well said. We really are not taking full advantage of the beauty of the day. There's always stuff that we can freak out about and get scared about and feel nervous about, but why would we do that? Why do we allow ourselves to do that? I think that the reason why, the answer why, is that is the cue for us to reframe, to capture ourselves, to realize our inner strength, and to and to say, wait, 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 and then do all the work that you're doing with people. What do I need to do? Do I need to take a walk outside? Do I need to put my hands on the earth? Do I need to smell a cup of coffee? What is it that I need to do that's going to make me feel better? Maybe that's one of the reasons why aromatherapy is so effective, because it's all about sniffing things that smell great, Right. Exactly, exactly. And Aromatherapy when, is wonderful. Yeah, and when do people take time to sniff things that smell great without feeling funny? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, right. there's that old, take time to smell the coffee. It take time to smell the roses. And then people laugh about it, right? Well, don't laugh, just do it. Because it really is important, actually, for your well-being. We're funny, aren't we? Yeah, we are very funny. We are very funny. I do think that you know it comes down, Deb, to to uh, looking at our own inner compass. What is our inner compass telling us? Exactly what you were saying. Do we need to touch the earth to feel the earth? Do we need to smell the coffee? Do whatever it is, the aromatherapy, whatever it is. But it's that disconnect from our inner compass, and that's where we want to connect back up. 100%, not goofing around, but literally 100% and just allow it. Just do it. Yes. What is that resistance? How resistant are people to you and to your work? Well, they're not because when typically when not everybody but men, most people are very they're in enough pain to where they really want to make a change. Mhm. So maybe when we are at our maximum place of pain is when we should have the biggest amount of gratitude pouring forth from our heart and our soul because it is such an opportunity to pay attention. Maybe that's what pain is for us. I think that makes so much sense. It fits with everything I know. Because don't we don't we hear ourselves saying if you know um when we get into conversations about um about faith life and uh, and people who are struggling with it, there's often a commentary that 
I don't believe or my faith has been destroyed because if we have a loving God, then how is it that these awful things could happen? And in in, in Build the Strength Within, I know when we were going through the edit with the publisher, the editor had said to me, I just cannot believe that you wrote a sentence in your book that that everything that happens in this life has a reason and there are blessings in it and there are opportunities for us to realize, are you kidding me? How is that how is that possible? I mean, stop and think about all the horrible things that happen in this life. And I wrote her back. I was so taken aback by her. She was just absolutely emphatic. I mean, she was horrified by what I had written. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, that's great. I've really hit a nerve. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote, mm-hmm. you know, like two pages of an answer to her say, explaining when we are at the depth of despair, and I've been there. My my life has not been, you know, some people say, oh, you haven't had any problems in your life. No, there's no such thing as a, as a human being who hasn't had despair and heartache. I mean, even a five-year-old whose Lego set got knocked over and stepped on by some kid by accident or intentionally, they've known the depths of despair. It's on a completely different level, may not look very serious to us, but we have each known the depths of despair in our own mind and in our own heart and in our own skin, and it's always an opportunity for something in the way of recognition and something in the way of an opportunity for us to say, I didn't like it, but it was a blessing. Kind of like, I don't like it when my tooth aches, but it's a blessing when it does because it's a signal for me to go to the dentist. Yes. And, exactly. and by the way, I have a dentist who's absolutely adorable. I love laying back and looking into his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you wish got a for more agony. You learn how to appreciate what it is that's going on there, right? Exactly. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, when my when my father died, I, my mother and I were just beside ourselves. He'd been ill. We we sobbed and cried for so long. It was so awful. And when when he was gone, I thought, well, okay. I was a daddy's girl. Missed him terribly, but now there's complete room. Just for mom. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dad, for moving over. She'll see mm-hmm. you when she gets to where you are. But right now, I'm going to yummy her up a hundred percent. Mhm. And when and when she passed away, I remember praying, saying, "Dear God, when Mom takes her last breath, can you make the next one be my last breath?" Yes. And I just sobbing, you know, sobbing this out loud. Please, dear God, I'm begging you. And then realizing, well, no, maybe let me stick around a little longer because i got stuff to do to close up her life and all that, and then realizing I wanted to live and then coming to a point of recognition in the midst of my grief and heartache, you know what? I don't have to worry about my mom anymore. I worried about her every nanosecond of every day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, universe. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Mom. I'll see you now when I get there, but I don't need to worry. Wow. All right, Nikki, we're about out of time. I want you to tell people where they can find you again. And even though they're going to go to your website today and see that you've got a, a site under construction sign, they can probably go to Facebook 
communicate with you immediately, and you're probably going to post on your Facebook page when it's time to say, yay, the site is back open, right? That's exactly right. It's Dr. Nikki Barr, N-I-K-I, Barr, B-A-R-R, at Facebook, and Dr. Nikki, N-I-K-I-B-A-R-R.com. And that will be up in the next few days, and we'll be ready to rock. But I And I would love for you to communicate with me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, Nikki Barr, Ph.D. So I'd love to hear from you, and please feel free to ask questions or to follow me or to do all of it and love to see you in the retreats love to see you in asking questions um love to be able to coach with you so look forward to to being in touch sounds great nikki thank you so much for being here today it's a pleasure always to be in your realm because it's lovely thank you deb you're the best <laughs> all right let's <laughs> talk. i'm going to sign off with you now and thanks okay. again. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, friends, this has been another episode of a show that I absolutely love doing. I adore the guests that I ask to come on to the show. That's why I ask them. You will never tune in here and hear something that is anything less than beauty-filled, Smart, amusing, kind of funny, intellectually enhancing, and always 100% filled with kindness. Because this is the K factor, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. Bless your hearts for tuning in, either live or in streaming, which will be there forever. This is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin, signing off. For Blog Talk Radio, The K-Factor, where K equals kindness and the factors are all the things that lead to it. 